Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 203. We'll continue in the book of Job with a brief summary of chapters 16 through 19 and follow with some thoughts about throwing someone to the wolf. In this orderly debate between Eov and his friends, we've heard first from Eov, each of his friends in turn, Eov's reply, and then the reply of Eliphaz the Tamanite. For the next two chapters, Eov will speak again, a little in response to Eliphaz, a little towards the heavens, but a lot about his unbearable suffering. As for Eliphaz, who, as we said in the previous episode, said it again, slower and louder that time, Eov is dismissive at the outset of chapter 16. Quote, I have heard much of this sort, wretched consolers are you all. Eov says that if the roles were reversed, he might chastise a little, but then he would offer proper consolation. Quote, I would bolster you with my speech. My lips' movement would hold back pain. But at this stage, all Eov is, is tired and broken. Quote, I was tranquil. He shook me to pieces, seized my nape and broke me apart, set me up as a target for him. His archers gathered around me. He pierces my kidneys, pitiless. He spills my gall to the ground. But as tired and broken as he is, he still demands a hearing. Quote, Earth! Oh, do not cover my blood, and let there be no place for my scream. Even now, in the heavens, my witness stands, one who vouches for me up above, my advocates, my companions. Before God, my eye sheds tears. Let a man dispute with God and a human with his fellow. Chapter 17 begins with a simple request, quote, Come, stand pledged for me. Who will offer his handshake for me? And yet, it's an impossible ask, because his friends just won't do it. He suffers the injustice alone. Quote, spit in the face I became. Eov's suffering, however, is finite. Quote, my days have passed, my plans pulled apart, the desires of my heart. Night, they would turn into day. Light is near in the face of darkness. If I hope for Sheol as my home, that I might cushion my couch with darkness to the pit, I would say, my father you are, my mother and sister the worm. Where then is my hope and my good? Who can glimpse it? Will it go down to the bars of Sheol, altogether in the dust will it plunge? Bildad has a ready reply in chapter 18. Like Eliphaz before him, he claps back from a place of hurt and insult. Quote, Why are we reckoned as beasts, besotted in your eyes? Eov thinks he understands better, but it's Eov who doesn't get it. Quote, For you shall the earth be forsaken and the rock ripped from its place? The world follows rules, good sir. Only the wicked are punished. If you are punished, the conclusion is easy to draw. Quote, yes, the light of the wicked will gutter, and the spark of his flame will not shine. Light goes dark in his tent, and his lamp gutters before him. His vigorous strides are straightened. His own counsel flings him down, for his feet are caught in a net, and he treads on a tangle of lines. Eov replies in chapter 19 with what is now, I guess, typical fashion, you who call yourselves friends, quote, How long will you cause me grief and crush me with words? Ten times now you have shamed me. You do not blush to spurn me. Eov challenges his friends to tell him how he has sinned. Quote, Look, I scream outrage, and I am not answered. I shout, and there is no justice. My path he blocked, and I cannot pass. And on my ways he set darkness. 
he turns then to pleading, quote, Mercy, have mercy on me, my companions, for God's hand has blighted me. Why do you hound me like God, and of my flesh you are not sated? Perhaps now his story might fall on deaf ears, but, quote, Would then that my words were written, that they were inscribed in a book with an iron pen and lead to be hewn and rock forever. Then he might get a fair hearing. In the end, he offers a warning, quote, Fear the sword, for wrath is a sword-worthy crime. So you may know there is judgment. There's this midrash on the story of the parting of the Reed Sea. It appears in Exodus Rabbah, a collection of rabbinic fan fiction we think was composed in Israel and Babylonia and canonized sometime in the 13th century. And it riffs in various ways on the plot points of the book of Exodus. So here's chapter 21, section 7. Quote, Rabbi Chama bar said, When Israel left Egypt, the angel Samael was about to speak against them. Rabbi Chama bar Rabbi Chanina explained it this way because of his father. Side note, Rabbi Chama bar Rabbi Chanina lived in the 3rd century CE and was named after his grandfather, which made his father Rabbi Chanina bar Chama. Rabbi Chanina bar Chama died in 250 CE. He was renowned as a Talmudist and an Agadist, that is, he had one foot in the highly legalistic world of Jewish texts, but also a flair for storytelling in the service of interpretation. He was also quoted in the Babylonian Talmud, Baba Batra 144b, that, quote, all occurrences that befall man are in the hands of heaven, except for colds and obstacles from which one is able to protect himself. As it is stated, quote, colds and snares are on the path of the crooked. He who guards his soul shall keep far from them. With hot takes like this, he wasn't really a very popular guy. Anywho, here's the father's parable. You'll see how this fits here shortly. Quote, a parable of the shepherd who would pass his flock in the river. A wolf came to harass the flock. A shepherd who was knowledgeable, what did he do? He took a large goat and handed it to him, saying, The wolf will try for this one until we cross the river, and then I will come back and bring the goat. Thus, when Israel came out of Egypt, the angel Samael was about to condemn them, saying before the Blessed One, Lord of the universe, until now these were idolaters, and you are splitting the sea for them? What did the Blessed One do? He took Eov, who was one of Pharaoh's advisors, and as it is said about him, he was, quote, an innocent and upright man. And God said to Samael, he is in your hands. The Blessed One said, until Samael deals with Eov, Israel will descend to the sea, then ascend, and then I will rescue Eov. And Eov said, quote, I was tranquil, he shook me to pieces. That is, I was tranquil in the world, and he, God, shook me to pieces to make me into a target. As it says, quote, God delivers me to a wrongdoer, lets me fall into the hands of the wicked. At that hour, God said to Moshe, Moshe, I have handed over Eov to Satan. What can you do? Speak to Israel and get them moving. There is a lot to unpack here. Let's start with the structure of the Midrash itself. Which is the A plot and which is the B plot? I guess, as it's found in Exodus Rabbah, the story of the parting of the Reed Sea is our primary focus. 
but we don't even get to that big moment before we find ourselves up in heaven in the divine court where Samael is about to deliver his opening remarks against God's intervention on behalf of Israel. But before we even get there, we have a parable that frames what follows. The wise shepherd who abandons the goat in order to rescue the flock from a wolf sets the tone. Now, I don't know if abandons is the right word here. I mean, I guess it is. And I'm not a shepherd. I have no experience with sheep herding, so I don't understand the strategy here. I mean, I do a little bit, but perhaps I'm missing some of the nuances. My read is that the shepherd purposely threw the large goat to the wolf because he knows the large goat with his horns could probably handle whatever the wolf may try with him. (coughs) And while the goat and wolf tussle, the shepherd can lead the vulnerable flock to safety. Were I to invoke logic, logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. The one. And it doesn't take a Talmud scholar to unpack this parable. God is the shepherd, the flock is Israel, the wolf is Samael, and Eov is the large goat. So as we are reintroduced to the frame narrative in the book of Job with some modification, we already understand the dynamic, but now there's a twist. When Samael rises to speak against Israel, he does so because that's his job. The Satan of the biblical tradition is not the insurrectionist demon of Milton. Satan? Hi. Two zero, two zero. Please, call me 2020. Satan is the adversary, a prosecuting attorney who serves in the divine court. It is his job to monitor what God intends to do on behalf of humanity and challenge the intervention. And not on malicious grounds. Satan merely points out that, in the case of Exodus Rabbah, Israel might not be worthy of such a massive intervention. After all, they were former idolaters, and thus unworthy of God's munificence. And considering how quickly they reverted to idolatry after the miracle at the Reed Sea with the golden calf, Satan wasn't wrong. In fact, What Satan says much of the time is not factually wrong. He's merely pointing out what a lot of us don't like to admit or acknowledge. That what a person gets or doesn't get isn't because they deserve it. To say such a thing out loud isn't necessarily sowing discord and evil. It's more a chaotic, neutral statement, depending on who you are, of course. If you're Rabbi Hanina Barchama, you would find Satan's argument deplorable. Of course Israel deserves to be rescued. But here's the thing. Even Rabbi Hanina Barchama acknowledges that Satan isn't wrong because God could have just shut down the whole discussion right then and there. But God didn't. So God had to come up with a tactic, one that experienced shepherds use all the time, apparently. Distract the wolf with a large goat until the vulnerable sheep get away. Now, this is not the origin of the term scapegoat, although it may as well be. Be it Leviticus 16 or an Exodus Rabbah, you're literally asking the goat to sacrifice itself for the welfare of others. Well, you're not asking the goat because the goat has no say in the matter. But here's the thing. In the Midrash, the goat understands and consents. But before we get to that weird moment, we discover that Eov is not just the richest man in Utz, but actually one of Pharaoh's advisors. Who knew? 
And we also see how God, fully cognizant of Eov's innocence, throws him to the wolf anyway. There's no test here of Eov's resolve, no attempt to prove how truly faithful he is. Pay up, Mortimer. I've won the bet. Here, one dollar. <laughs> All of Eov's suffering and pain happens just to keep Samael distracted while God saves Israel before circling back to save Eov, time permitting. Which is terrible to do with a person, much less a goat. And yes, Logic would dictate that if you have to sacrifice few or many, sacrifice few. It's the biblical version of the trolley problem. And I guess it makes it less horrible that the shepherd presents the wolf with a worthy adversary instead of a hapless lamb. So again, considering the stakes, the shepherd's tactic is making the best of a terrible situation. But when you imagine that scenario, do you imagine yourself as one of the sheep or the goat? Well, the Midrash doesn't end there. It puts a square in the goat's hooves, or Yov's sandals. This is the real meaning of the line in chapter 16, quote, God delivers me to a wrongdoer, lets me fall in the hands of the wicked. I've said before that there's a lot of dramatic irony at work in the book of Job, because we've read the frame story, and we know why all this stuff is happening to Yov, but Eov and his friends don't. Well, they don't know, really. And after reading this midrash, it's even harder to accept how the friends are handling themselves vis-a-vis Eov's predicament. I mean, could you imagine Eliphaz and Bildad and Sofar as goats in the pen chatting to Eov, you know, the goat who has just been selected by the priest to perform the ritual described in Leviticus 16? Yeah, I hear you, bro. It's a raw deal. They're going to cast you out to die like that in the desert. Totally sucks, bro. Yeah, yeah, it, it was done by lottery, but, you know, what did you do? So the lot landed on you. Look into yourself, into your actions, and repent, bro, while you still have time. That's just nuts. It's preposterous. And yet here we are, and Eov is telling them, God is throwing me to the wolf. Eov has tried appealing to intellect and logic, but the friends are mired in a logical fallacy they just can't shake or don't want to shake, about sinners and punishment. In this episode, he appeals to the sentiment, describing how terrible he suffers at God's hands, hoping to move them just a little, but the friends just won't hear it. They can't accept what Eov and the rabbis understand. God sometimes throws you to the wolf, and according to those in the know, there's a reason. It's just not a reason they want to say out loud that often. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Tell a friend about TanakhCast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to TanakhCast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast. And it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 204, when we continue in the Book of Job with chapters 20 through 23.